Hey everyone, and welcome back to Practically Zero Waste, a podcast for making zero waste living as practical as possible. Nutritious food comes from nutritious soil, and Kathy Nesbitt has the answer for making your soil as rich and luxurious as possible. Today we talk everything from composting indoors with red wigglers to using gardening as therapy for a happier, healthier humanity. Ready to dig in deep and get pumped about compost? Let's go. How did this idea come around that you wanted to make a business uh, making composters for people, specifically vermicomposters? Yeah, so it's really kind of a, a long, lifelong journey, several stops along the way. But I would say the Reader's Digest idea of how Kathy's Crawley Composters and composting business came about was the landfill closed for the Greater Toronto Area in 2002, and I had a solution. You know, six million people in the greater Toronto area, half living in condos and townhouses without space for outdoor composting or access to the green bin, you know, an organic collection program. 2002 was pre-green bin. Again, six million people. Now we started shipping garbage to Michigan. Almost 200 garbage trucks every day, like honking transport trucks. Is that still happening? No, they have a solution now, but that went on for at least 10 years. Yikes. Oh my gosh. So, you know, I had a solution. I was really driven. And when I started my business, oh, my gosh, my goal was worms in every living space, every apartment, every classroom, not just every school, every business and every house. So we don't even need to truck this stuff around. Everybody look after your own waste. Yeah. So that's kind of the the kernel of how it started. And in 2002, there was a garbage strike in Toronto. The union went on strike. Okay, uh, yeah. And it was it's in the summer, of course. That's when you can be most effective for a garbage strike. Right? It's going to smell. And there was so many things going on in 2002. was introduced to um, a business course through the Women's Centre of York Region. Uh, it was a six-month course to write a business plan. And so I, I turned to my husband. I said, I'm quitting my job. I'm taking this course. I'm starting a worm business. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> And here we are 17 years later. Can you imagine? Selling worms by the pound. Wow. Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you. you. It's so beautiful. I really uh, really feel on purpose with my business. And I started as a waste management tool. Yeah. But shortly realized that, yes, it's waste management, but it also is soil production. Yeah. I like that. Right? Black gold production. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, and so it's, you know, the worms and composting in general will close the loop in our food cycle. Ah, uh, closing the loop. That's just such a magical phrase to me. I love it so much. <laughs> I, I, I think of the infinity sign, you know, an uh, uh, eight on its side. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we grow food, we eat the food, we feed the scraps to the worm or compost, and then we make compost, you know, grow more food, eat the food, like just that goes around and around. The and cycle uh, continues. And we go. And all that money that we spend on trucking that organic matter around could be spent on other things, like imagine healthcare, education, um, just a big party. <laughs> you have a wonderful vision of the future. I like this a lot. Yeah. What was your experience composting before your business began? Do you have a backyard compost or an apartment compost situation? 
Absolutely. So I moved up to Bradford in 93 and bought a house and got a backyard and started composting. And so I've been composting since 93. And I used to bring home the food scraps from my co-workers. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> you know, because as you know, the more if you compost, the more you put in, the more you get out, the better your garden grows naturally. Yeah. You know, really little effort. And you don't have to put any money out. You just like make compost with the scraps from your own food scraps. Yeah, the stuff you were going to buy anyway. Exactly. (laughs) It's nature's magic show. Why worms instead of just letting compost happen on its own? Okay, why worms? Well, I think worm composting offers many benefits that regular outdoor composting does not because um, it offers the solution. You can add the worms to your outdoor composter. We'll speed up the process make a finer product. You can add the worms to an indoor space. So again, the folks that live in condos or townhouse, they might not have space for outdoor composting. So composting allows them the opportunity um, to convert some of their scraps into soil and, you know, to fertilize their houseplants. Yeah. For the listeners, I mean, you can grow food anywhere. It's magic. So what's the process with worm composting? So you put your scraps in, you put your worms in, what happens? Yeah, so any container will do. It's really creating the right environment for the worms. So just like regular composting, the worms require a carbon-nitrogen mix. Uh, The carbon is or can be leaves, straw, cardboard, drink trays, shredded paper, your uh, printer paper, newsprint, paper towel rolls, any combination of your paper products. I would say maybe leave out magazine. Right, uh, anything glossy. And colorful flyers. Okay. Uh, but otherwise, you know, whatever you have. And then you're, you add your uh, some soil in, regular soil from outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, you're adding the soil for the microbes. Oh, okay. The red wigglers are not soil dwellers, uh, but they do require some soil uh, for the, the little critters that are doing the work. Okay. They're doing the heavy lifting, like they're breaking it down for the worms. And then the worms are kind of the cleanup crew. They come along and, you know, their little bug friends have break, broken it down, so... So now the worms can get there. Okay. It's not, it, well, I keep saying magic. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do worms eat? Everything? Oh, wait, yeah. So what do they eat? Okay. So here's a kind of a list of what they eat. All of your fruit and veg, coffee, tea, pasta, rice, beans, grains, plant clippings, cereal. Um, what stays out? Much shorter list. No meat, no dairy, no okay. sauce. And no greasy products. Right. You wouldn't be able to drain the fat off of something into the compost. If it was fried at all, I would say just leave it out. But you can put cooked um, vegetables as long as they don't have butter or sauce on them. Okay. Uh, Same with your cooked pasta and rice. You know, if you have extra, as long as it doesn't have salt or, or oil or anything on it. Yeah. Okay. So they eat pretty much everything. Yeah, pretty much anything natural. You know, you can put the odd slice of bread in. Um, I do a lot of school workshops, so I generally say leave out citrus and leave out bread at schools because, you know, it might overwhelm the bin. Oh, okay. Now, you, when you're starting your worm bin, you start with kind of a goodly amount of paper, so you don't need to add paper every time. Oh, okay. That's just kind of a base. Right. And and where the worms live. So your materials, your soil, your paper, your water, eggshells, your, that's mixed together. And then your worms are added in. They'll make their way into the bedding. And then when you're feeding your food scraps, you bury the food scraps the, um, into the bedding. And oh. that's so you don't get fruit flies. Well, yeah. That's great. Kind of important. Yes. <laughs> Do you find you have a hard time selling people um, on the worms? Uh, yeah. So... <laughs> 
That's a great question. <laughs> uh, you know, the challenge with a worm composting business is the worms. <laughs> uh, really, people understand the idea of, you know, composting their scraps and all of that. And then when, it, when you know, they might uh, they might not hear that it's indoor and they say, well, what do I do with the worms in the winter? Yeah. Yeah. And I say well, it's your indoor year round, ideally, because the worms are temp- temperature sensitive. Okay. Um, and then people will be like, you know, afraid. And then, you know, I really think that it's when people understand that the worms aren't going to get out of the bin unless they're being mistreated, right? Like they can crawl out because there's holes right. in it. Like yeah. you need airflow. You need the right temperature, which is room temperature, 16 to 28. Yeah. And you need the right humidity, so about mm-hmm. 75% moisture. Okay. You know, a little bit acidic, but you balance the acidity with eggshells. Interesting. Yeah, and so the worms will stay in, and then I tell people, and this is true, worms have five hearts each. Oh. Um, there's a lot of worms, 800 to 1,000 in a pound. That's a lot of hearts. <laughs> and, and it's a lot of love, and people, you know, words have energy. And I, you know, when I say that, people soften. They're like, oh, like imagining all those hearts in the worms. It's just like, oh, wow. Okay. It's an amazing thing. And worms are hermaphrodites, meaning male and female. Um, you know, they have phenomenal reproduction. They're a food source for many creatures in the wild. Yeah. Um, they have a huge role to play. So once we can understand the rule, like I was afraid of worms before starting my business. What? How on earth did you get over that? <laughs> what am I going to start a business in? What am I afraid of? No, no. <laughs> it didn't work like that. But I saw, you know, how it came about was the worms kind of kept coming to me. When I moved to Bradford, a, a teacher friend asked me to look after her worm bin for the summer. <laughs> and I was like, I knew the value of compost. I was an avid gardener. I, I love compost. So I was like, okay, comp- worm compost must be great too but I don't want to have worms on my house just like you asked yeah right so then I was like oh no I think we should take on we should do things ourselves so I was like okay let me try this it was horrible I had I was a fruit fly farmer because I would throw my uh, food just in and close the bin quick I didn't bury I didn't do it properly right but it's fine for the worms right the fruit flies are mere decomposers that's true yeah they just bug us, and we called them bugs, so they're just really doing their job, bugging oh, us. No. <laughs> um, so I said after that summer that I would never do worm composting again. It's, <laughs> it's really funny how life goes. It's not, it's not up to us. Yeah. And I think that that happened so that when people say to me, ooh, what about, ooh, worms in the house, I don't want fruit flies, that, all these things, I can say, I get it. Believe it or not, I was afraid of worms too. Yeah. And then I started to do research. Um, into the worms because I got a job at a group home I mean it's a big like I said it's a big long story how I really got into this yeah um, but once I started to research the worms I discovered the red wigglers and I talk I'll talk about that in a second sure the type of worm so the red wigglers eat about half their weight per day once they're established oh my they turn you know garbage in air quotes into gold for planting right so yeah. it's food waste soil production therefore food security like one yeah. it's the 10-step diet yeah Make your own soil, grow your own food. That's pretty secure. I love that, yeah. And then, you know, if you're, you know, going really old school, then if you preserve and can and learn how to cook and... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, yeah. So there are um, um, thousands of types of worms. Okay. Only only about four that are um, ideal for worm composting. And we're looking for surface dwellers. 
they'll live in a container. You know the worms that come out when it rains, the yes. night color? And the robins <laughs> come and eat them. And the robins love it, yes! It's spring, <laughs> hallelujah! Yeah. <laughs> so those worms, the, those night, Canadian night crawlers, or, you know, dew worms, they go, they live below the frost line. So okay. they go, you know, four to six feet below the surface and come up at night to draw their food into their bur- burrow. They're, they're ver- vertical feeders. They would be very unhappy in their container. Oh, because of how deep they go. Correct. And they don't eat nitrogen. So they, they would eat the paper or the leaves, whatever you were using for bedding, but they wouldn't eat the carbon or the, um, the food scraps. And I believe they would be so stressed in the container that they probably would just be trying to get out. Ooh, right. So you have right? to, you yeah. can't, yeah, so it's not a matter of, I would like to be a worm composter. I'm going to go and pick whatever kind of worms that I want and uh, just start them on my own. You should get the right kind of worms is what you're saying. Get the right kind of worms so that, you know, um, so you're set up to be successful. You know, you can't, I mean, of course you could try getting the worms outside because they're, they're, they are abundant after a rain. It's fine. Um, but the, but it won't work. <laughs> and, Especially and if you're going to bring them in your house. They're also different temperature worms. So, you know, they live below the frost line. So they, they like it cool. You find those, like, you know, in pot machines. I kind of want to release them all, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> right at the gas station for bait. Oh, I and, see what you mean, yes. <laughs> right, and you buy them and you put them in the fridge to keep yeah. them cool. The red wigglers are, are a, heat, a little bit heat-loving. So they like it 16 to 28 celsius okay so you mentioned red wigglers are those the right kind red wigglers yes yeah Um, you know there are many systems on the on the market and we do have a wonderful uh system called the living composter yeah tell me a bit about your container yeah i i I, it's it's new it's the very latest in warm composting (laughs) made in ontario which is beautiful and it doubles as a piece of functional furniture. And, and I love that it doesn't have worm in the title. Yes. You know, it is a worm bin, uh, but it's called the living composter. So it doesn't say worm in the title. So people don't have to worry about, oh, I'm afraid of worms and all of that. It's called the living composter. It's, it's a stool. It's different. Exactly. Yeah. So I'll put a link to that in the, in the description box because people well, need to you. see how cool this piece of furniture is. I've seen it and it's, and it's so awesome. It's so trendy looking. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is beautiful. And how that came about, you know, there was a bigger system called the Worm Chalet. I loved it. I mean, I, I, I still have a couple. And it's a three-layer system. It, it's, I mean, I thought it was super cute, but it kind of looked like a beehive, if oh, you can imagine. Yeah. A big gray thing. And now next to the living composter, I'm like, ooh, it was a big workhorse. Oh, uh, Okay. You know, it was big, it was nice for production. If somebody was looking for lots of worm castings, the worm chalet was beautiful, way to capture your liquid. So so how the uh, tower composters work, you generally feed one tray at a time, yeah. holes in the bottom of each tray, so when the, tray, the first tray fills up, you will set up the next tray. And then the worms will migrate up through the holes in the bottom. Oh. Uh, yeah, so it's self-harvesting. Okay. There's usually a spigot, or, and a little uh, at the bottom would be the basin where you would collect your liquid. Um, you can easily drain it off with the spigot. Um, the liquid that comes out of the bottom, like sometimes people get very excited uh, about compost tea. Yes. Um, like for the garden, not for No, of course. Yeah, don't <laughs> drink it. Don't drink um, it. Yeah, and so I say with caution. You know, it's a wonderful way to manage the the liquid. So it's a wonderful way to make sure that your system doesn't get too wet. 
Um, the liquid that comes out of the bottom, if it smells bad, it's become anaerobic. Mm. Plants always require aerobic bacteria to grow. So just meaning with oxygen, right? And so anaerobic don't, uh... is what we require, right? Our bodies, aerobic exercise, good for cardiovascular, all of that. That's what the, the plant organisms need as well. They need aerobic. So when it's been sitting in the bottom of the composter and it just doesn't have enough airflow down there and so it becomes anaerobic? Yeah, so so you kind of just use your nose. If it smells bad, you discard it. You don't use it for your plants. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't smell bad, then you can dilute it and water your plants and have liquid fertilizer. That's great. Very cool. So, you know, just, you know, it's like a way to manage your moisture and perhaps be usable. And just yeah. another thing that's, you know, not being wasted. Look at that. I know. It's so wonderful. You know, with the worm, with composting and worm composting, I say whatever you have that's biodegradable, it you know, put it in your bin, put it in your thing and, and uh, let the worms get to it. It may take a long time, like cabbage. Wow, cabbage takes forever. Oh, yeah. And so there's some tricks that you can do to speed up your composting process. Right. You know, chopping your scraps in smaller pieces mm-hmm. uh, speeds it up. There's more exposed surface. You can freeze your scraps, and then when you thaw it, it changes the molecular structure of the peels, so Ooh. it breaks down. You know, if anybody has ever frozen a tomato and thought, okay, I'm going to have a tomato sandwich in February. <laughs> right. And then yeah. they take their tomato out and put their toast down, and then their tomato... You know, when the tomato thaws, yeah. you can't slice it anymore. It's not <laughs> tomato soup. Right? Yeah. So, that, so that's because the, the, the peel has been compromised. Well, that's a great idea for anybody who's just trying to decompose things a little bit faster, even and with then, a backyard composter. As far as the moisture, so the moisture gets released quicker when you, after you freeze and then thaw. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if you want, if you had a lot of scraps, some, you know, I hear from people, well, we have way more scraps than that. So one way you can add more scraps to your bin is you know, kind of getting some of that juice out and then pouring it off rather than putting that in your worm bin. Totally. Right? And then you can add more weight uh, in solids mm-hmm. into your weapon, if that, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Well, this all sounds very practical. Is it? Do you find that people can pick this up really quickly and it's not too much of a challenge? Or does it take a lot of time to get used to it? No, it doesn't take a lot of time. I want to say that it's like anything. You need to put some effort into mm-hmm. worm composting. So because it's done inside... You do want to put a little more effort in than if you're doing it outside and you're doing it outside for waste management. Yes. Right? You're just tossing stuff in your black earth machine and you don't care. You're just tossing it in there Mm -hmm. to get rid of it. Yeah. Right? So there's different reasons why people are doing composting. If most people that take on worm composting, they know the value of the worm compost or they, they're environmental and they just they live in an apartment and they really want to be dispose of the mm. soil, but they still took on worm composting because they wanted to be environmental. Yes. Because I said, look at that. If you have any gardening friends, now you've got your shopping done. Totally, yeah. <laughs> right? You just put that in a nice package or a nice little glass thing, make a nice label, and boom, they got worm poo. Yeah. You know, so happy. <laughs> Right? Because it, it's, it, yeah, it, because it's valuable and people that know, know that it's valuable. And it's, because what makes the worm compost so valuable, like compost is great, worm compost is greater. And the reason it's greater, it's a little bit more processed by nature. Mm-hmm. The, the ca- castings are more readily available as plant food to be taken up by the plant. Yeah, exactly. When we look after the soil, the soil looks after the plant. I, You know, people ask me if I'm a gardener mm-hmm. and I do garden. But I'm really not a gardener. I'm a soil maker. I look after my soil 
And then I just stand back after I plant seeds. I don't have to do any work. Amazing. It, it's, you know, really, um, last year, my goodness. And because, you know, I've had my business 17 years, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of overs that co- get tossed. Okay, this may be lesser grade compost that we might not sell. It, mm. It's not that stuff. It just gets dumped in our garden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And it's beautiful. Like, I don't mind at all. And so last year I grew, I mean, it, just out of the compost, I didn't plant butternut squash, but I got at least a dozen Yay. over 10 pound butternut squash. Incredible. And one, my, my prize one was 15 pounds. Holy. <laughs> wow. Well, like a dense, you know, it's just like so nutrient dense and wonderful. Yeah, so when plants are taking in nutrients and not in just plain old soil that has had the same thing growing over and over again without any other contribution from other plants and other decay, like they're not going to be as nutrient dense. Is that right? That's the truth. I mean, they're saying that a broccoli from 1950, today we would have to eat like 19 or 20 broccoli heads. Not what? possible to eat the nutrients that we used to get from one broccoli. Really? So what happens when the plants are growing? The nutrients are, just as you said, the nutrients are coming out of the soil into the plant. If we do anything other than compost those scraps, we're robbing the soil. Yeah. So our soil is becoming deplete. With each, with each rotation, it's becoming less and less. Unless we're adding the nutrients in naturally, not, you know, any of those chemical things. I don't want to say a, a name, but... It's MG, by the way, because (laughs) people are like, oh, I just use that. And it's like, no, you know, that's just chemical. If it's blue, it's not natural unless it's a blueberry. (laughs) (laughs) I think you know what I'm talking about. I absolutely understand that. Absolutely. So like with big commercial farms, like what are they supposed to do to make, so yes, we all need to eat and, you know, society has developed this process of having a massive farm that is all growing one thing in one field and it, maybe they do crop rotation, but that nutrients isn't going back into the soil. So aside from using chemical fertilizers, what can we get massive farms to be doing again? We know without getting political, without, you know, I don't want this to be too heavy because I have a wonderful solution and my solution is the individual doing what they do but as far as you know the large-scale mono monocropping and all the chemicals it's all tied to business right there's there's some large companies that are dominating the agri-field if anyone's interested in knowing more about this yeah they they should look up elaine ingham uh life in the soil the soil food web it's all about what we can do. It's all about our health. If our food is our fuel, and as long yeah. as we keep on poisoning the soil, yeah. we're poisoning ourselves. Exactly. It's a cuckoo system. The system is really broken all around. Yeah. We're learning more about our, our own microbiome. I don't know if you've heard this word mm-hmm, as yet. But it's our own bacteria and all the bugs that we have. We actually are more bug than we are human. <laughs> We're more microorganisms. So, you know, when we have uh, something going on in our belly, diseases that we have, it's because our microbiome is out of whack. You change your diet and start eating clean. Oh, my gosh. You don't even crave that stuff anymore because you don't have that imbalance of micro microbiome, yeah. microbiology in, in your belly. So do you think that we're just so detached from where our food even comes from that the concept of depleting soil of its nutrients doesn't even cross our minds anymore, I imagine? Because to think that where the nutrients in the broccoli comes from is the soil? 
is kind of a foreign concept. Foreign because, of course, broccoli just comes from the grocery store. Yeah, mean? exactly. And it's already cello-wrapped. Like, yeah. Oh, don't oh, single-use plastic. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> right, another top. And, you know, again, this is really a hopeful, something very, very hopeful. It's a, the yeah. worms. When I started my worm business, I heard that a pound of worms and their descendants could transform a ton of organic waste in a year. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> and then I and then I heard that the average Canadian family produces a ton of organic waste in a year. And I was like, oh, my gosh, every family needs a pound of worms. Yes, they do. And I'm just the one to put a pound of worms in every house. And then, you know, and then I started doing eco fairs and, you know, home shows. And wherever I could exhibit, I would be there. And I realized very quickly, adults, and I'm afraid of worms. And it's like, wow. So that's why... Doing school workshops is especially yeah. important, I think, in my business. Working with kids is so valuable because they get it. They get that this is something that's important, that plants are important, that nature is important, and they have this other sense of value. They have this sense of wonder, and they do understand. And they're looking for the worm bin. And that was my goal when I started. So 17 years, I think, I'm still meeting you know, teachers and people that have never heard of this. And I'm like, mm. I'm just imagine for a second. I mean, even if we started today, imagine how wonderful. Um, but imagine if 17 years ago, every school in Toronto had worms. Yeah. <laughs> then all of those kids would know about it. Yeah. And their parents would hear about it. Yeah. You know, I'm still, I'm very sad because worms are not sexy. No. And 17 years, there's not many growers still in Canada. Really? There's still not, you you know, you still have difficulty getting worms sometimes. Really? So how quickly do they reproduce? Well, under ideal conditions, they will double in number in about three to five months. Oh. Um, You know, which is, it sounds like a long time, but it really is not when you think, um, if somebody was, you know, yeah, again, back to people, they'll say, well, if we're a family of four, how many worms do we need? And it's really not based on a per person. It's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, you imagine vegetarian and vegans will produce way more than meat and potatoes, folks. Um, if you're preparing your food at home, if you're vegetarian or meat and potatoes versus eating a, in a restaurant or, yeah. or packaged food, right, you're going to yeah. produce more. Um, you know, it, like there's so many things so, to consider. So it's really not. And then I say to people, or if they say, well, oh, we produce way more than that. Then I say, but you live in a condo. So all of your scraps right now are going in landfill. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, one of your questions earlier was about the landfill. What's the difference? Why can't, you know, why not just put the food scraps in the landfill? Mm-hmm. Um, because in the landfill, what happens is at the end of the day, once once they finished adding, you know, the daily dump, uh, the garbage truck loads, they run over it with tractors. They put fill on top. They, you know, run over it with tractors to compress the air and push it all down. Mm. So it actually is a big anaerobic. You know, then it starts uh, seeping methane coming okay. out of. So when we put organic matter in the landfill, it's actually bad because the methane will come out of the landfill. Yes, and so the methane is what is rapidly increasing the speed of greenhouse gas emissions and, Correct. and and there's many sources i get that there's cars and cows are a big source oh, absolutely and, oh, why put something in the landfill that we could actually turn into exactly oh my right. goodness it's such a useful right. thing to be able to decompose all of our food scraps and be mindful too of how much food scrap you're actually producing like if there's something that when you chop up a red bell pepper or something and you throw 
a good chunk of edible pepper away and not just the seeds and the stem. Like change that habit. Make sure that you're using every part of something before you even get to the composting stage. Like I I know baby steps for people and, and take it one step at a time because I don't want you to get overwhelmed and stop. But make these choices over and over and over again to do something positive for the planet. And they're all so beautiful and simple. So simple and it really is satisfying. And I find yeah. the more things that I add in, you know, I, I mean, I, I do have a fairly eco lifestyle where there's always room for improvement. But I, it just feels so great. I just started making my own coconut milk. Oh, wow. And yeah, I was making almond milk, but then I was feeling bad about all the almond pulp, although I did make energy balls and I, it's all in my yeah. freezer and all of that. I, I just find that it's not really as usable mm. with the, uh, when you make coconut milk, <laughs> which I, I feel like a, I feel like an old hippie or something. But no, I, I love I it. I love hippies. So Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I did make um, um, coconut flour. So as long as you squeeze, and you know, I have a Vitamix, or if you have a super blender, um, you can do this, and then you squeeze it through your milk bag, and then yeah. you have delicious milk that it's wonderful milk, and then you have you make coconut flour that you can make, you know, bread or cake. You can add it into your smoothies for yeah. Bulk, are you using or... dried coconut, or what are you using to make coconut milk? I'm using just shredded coconut. Yeah, yeah. somehow you know I, I have a sprouting, or I don't know if you know, but I have a sprouting business as well. Okay. Um, so I buy the beans, certified organic beans, and this company had 25-pound bags of uh, shredded coconut. So I was oh. like, oh, well, coconut's healthy. I'll get a bag of coconut. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, I have a life supply of coconut now. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do with this? So then I started, I was like, Googled what, could, what I could do, and milk came up. And I was like, oh, I'm making my own almond milk. And I know almonds are they're a lot not of the water. most environmental nut. Yeah, they take a I, lot I mean, of water. I understand there's a, a lot of challenges with with the growing of some of the superfoods. You know, that yeah, is know. another reason why we need to grow our own. Like we make, have to, yeah. or not have, but it would be really great if people made their soil so then they could grow their own food and look after ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. um, this is another whole topic, but I really must touch on this while yeah, we're talking. totally. Like, we, we don't have health care in, in Canada. We have sick care. Oh, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah, so it's yeah. not it's not preventative. It's, it's a band-aid. Nobody talks about food. Oh, Nobody talks about man. food. And when you go to the hospital, the food they give you is food-like substances. I it's know, horrible. I know. Packaged stuff and... Uh, like again, I and convenient, convenient because the the hospitals I they have such a strain on them to begin with. But you're right. If there was more work towards preventative measures, food, is, fuel. food yeah. is our fuel, and food can cure us. Yes, absolutely. Hippocrates said it. Yes. Take food, thy medicine, and medicine thy food. I mean, again, this isn't a health and wellness talk. It's about waste, but. You know, it really is all related. There's there's stats now. I think it was Guelph and York Region just did uh, surveys last year on residential food waste. Okay. And they both, they got around the same statistics that people are throwing away about 25% of the groceries that they bring home. That's insane. So I'll give you the visual. So that's insane. four bags home, might as well just leave one bag at the curb because that's what we're doing. Ah, oh, drives right? me like, insane. Visual, like, what a like, waste oh of money. God, like, 
why are we throwing our money away? Money and then the environment and then, you know, all the greenhouse gases for the trucks to come around and collect that stuff. And, and being produced food. in the landfill with the methane that's coming off of them. Like, and that food grew somewhere and it came from somewhere. And, like, the, just the whole thing is, um, it's all broken. Yeah. It comes back to growing our own and slowing down. Slowing down, totally. Slow down, get out there. There's actually anti there's antidepressant microbes in the soil. Wow. There's a study out, a British study came out last year, and it talked about gardeners are actually happy people because there's microbes in the soil that make them, <laughs> make them happy. And because they're outside, they're in the sunshine, they're appreciating what they're doing because they get to eat the food that they've grown themselves, and so there's a value being placed on something instead of just buying it at the store. Oh my gosh, I can totally see why the gardener is the happiest person. <laughs> you know, gardeners are a hopeful lot because to plant a seed oh, and yeah. then wait two months or three months for it to produce something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have all my little seeds started for my garden, and there's a couple of them that are seeds that I saved from last year, from a basil plant and from a, a cilantro plant, and I planted those first, and they still hadn't grown, and they still hadn't grown, so I was thinking of just dumping out that soil and using it for something else, and the other day it sprouted, and I was just Yahoo! so excited. <laughs> So, yeah, you have to be hopeful. You have to have so much. You have to be hopeful as a gardener. Mm -hmm. and, and farmers. I mean, farmers are doing great work. Farmers uh, are champions. You know, they're just doing what they know, and they are good stewards of the land. It's just, you know, those big, giant companies are, Yeah. they have slick salespeople. They do. And and because <laughs> it's supply and demand, like, you're just, you're just supplying the demand, and they need more cauliflowers, so you're going to grow more cauliflower. And if bugs are your problem you're going to find a pesticide to kill that yeah, and and be able yeah. to fill the demand for it so it's just it's it's a broken system and it it's needs a broken to, system yeah. and now the uh the challenge is that the chemicals that they're creating mm. um a glyphosate is one it's insidious it goes right into the plant oh it i know goes right into the plant so if any pests eat that plant the, the bug will die well same Which with humans is, like what is that list of the dirty dozen do you know what's on that list they uh, the fruits and vegetables it changes but it's uh, potatoes strawberries apples. apples i know those two are on i don't yeah I don't know off the top of my head, but it kind of, yeah. I'll put a link to that as well in our show notes. Yeah, I, w I would, you know, just so that people can know. I bought a bag of potatoes. Oh, my gosh. And most of them were black on the inside. I'm like, oh, yeah, the dirty dozen. Right, when yeah. When can I start growing my potatoes again? Cause it, yeah. <laughs> my homegrown. I grew potatoes last year for the first time, and it was the most thrilling thing to <laughs> reach down into this dirt and, and pull out a sweet potato. I was just blown away that I had grown a potato so so uh, man and I just grew that in a pot in the city so oh, anybody can grow potatoes that's why if we can in introduce children to um making soil but like composting but also the gardening piece mm. oh my gosh it's yeah. so wonderful because they have that so, wonder so yeah and that's what gardening is. It's just wonderful. You're wonder. amazed like, that something you know, can a, grow. There's a, uh, oh my gosh, a wonderful um, little documentary uh, about a garden in northern Manitoba. It's called, and this is my garden, and this teacher, like it's really hostile environment. Mm. <laughs> Every year she gives the kids uh, seed magazines at yeah. the beginning of the year, and she says, what do you want to grow? Yeah. And then they got money for a greenhouse, whatever. 
you know, so the whole year, whatever it is that they want to grow, even if it doesn't grow there, I mean, that's all part of the learning. Like, yeah. okay, that didn't doesn't grow here. So, mm-hmm. I mean, now they're probably growing stuff that grows there or will grow in the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of the year, she will, they have a community supper from all the stuff that oh, was grown that's so in the garden. Lovely. I mean, it's and it's just... all local and seasonal and, ah, uh, wow. That's my it's goal this so summer. Much... And it helps depression because people are community, right? You can't mm. be on your technology when your hands are in the dirt. Oh my gosh, go on. I love it. <laughs> oh, no, it's just an epidemic of cell phone. <laughs> yeah. An epidemic of, of mental health issues. If we could just get back to the earth. I know that just sounds a little cheesy, but to be able to get your hands in the dirt and to be outside and to have to maintain something. So there's something that needs you outside. You have to go out and you have to take care of it in order to have the end result, have the fruits of your labor. Oh, to have nature therapy. In the States, in in prisons, they they had some very successful vermicomposting projects. Five pound worm boxes. Each inmate would, not every inmate, but the garden group, would look after a five pound box of worms. Once a week, they would go and tend to their worms. They'd wash eggshells, crush them, chop the food, make sure that the worms were okay, harvest them, and then be able to start gardening. Those folks that came out of prison after doing a gardening and a composting, worm composting project, they were gentler beings. They had a skill when they got out. They were Incredible. ready to be integrated back into society. Can Incredible. You I love that. I love that. It like, should be a form of therapy. It is. They could maybe get a job at a gardening center because they know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... There really, it's, it really does soften people. And I, I just think there's so many ways um, that these worms, they have so much... And just composting in general, but the worms add that extra, like... You have to keep the worms alive. Yeah. there's so, It's like having a pet, but it's also it's, a very yeah. productive pet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, a pet that, a pet that keeps on giving. Yeah. I think, and, you know, I was going to say, I do a lot of school workshops, and when teachers have um, a worm bin in the class, then, you know, they say that if they start in September, they start at the beginning of the year, they can go through a whole cycle from setup yeah. to harvest, and maybe even, maybe even two, yeah. but then they can take that soil grow plant for Mother's Day or Father's Day and say, wow, we grew that soil. Or they could sell the soil as a fundraiser. Oh, there's just so many opportunities. Oh, I love it. There's so much good stuff to come from this. Anyone inspiring you in the eco-friendly community lately? David Suzuki ongoing. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that guy just keeps going on and on. And um, despite, you know, what he's in his 80s, despite... You know, people criticizing that he jet sets around and all of these things. He's doing really good work, mm-hmm. and he's he's a huge idol of mine. Elizabeth May, I'm so happy that she's elected and and sitting in the house. Yeah, um, she's a huge mm-hmm. like green advocate. She does have integrity, and I have a vision board. And Elizabeth May is prime minister, so Aww. I'm hoping that that comes true. Yeah, cool. <laughs> And it's springtime, so what are you looking forward to most with your gardening? I'm just looking forward to getting out there. You know, I've, I've got some raised beds. I have, every year I try something different. Last year, uh, my husband made me a pallet garden, just a pallet on its end, and you seal the bottom, and then you can grow lettuce in a pallet garden. Oh. And it's, I just like experimenting with different systems to Neat. see, like, how easy it is. You know, you just get a pot, you can grow a tomato in there. Oh, yeah. So yeah. at least you have something. 
maybe you can't grow all your food, but imagine mm-hmm. if you can just grow some peas or, yeah. you know, some, some potatoes, like you said, like, yeah. it's so satisfying. You know, if you throw, I know you know, but if you throw an eye of, you know, some old potatoes that are, are starting to, to grow already, yes, if they start to toss spread. those in your compost pile, you'll get potatoes. That's so Fun. Nothing to be done. Yeah, not in your worm bin, but in your in your compost pile outside. Yeah. Um, so couples will come to pick up worms, and it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Maybe the man is really interested in the worms. He can't wait to get his worm bin going, and the wife has her hand on the the doorknob, you know, to get out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or or the opposite way. The woman's like, oh, I oh I wanted to get worms for so long or whatever, and the man's like, oh, I'm just supporting her. <laughs> It's, it's really, it's really interesting. And then when I, you know, talk to them and I say, you know, because when you come in my house, you're actually in my kitchen. Yeah. So I say, um, you know, can you smell anything? And, you know, if I'm cooking, hopefully they'll say it smells good. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I say, you know, there's two worm bins in this kitchen. And they're like, what? And yeah. And then I go, come on over here. And I talk to the one who's not in favor of the worms because yeah. the other ones, they are, they're already in. Yeah. So. I call them over and I open the thing and, you know, I don't manage my worm bin properly. Like, you know, you're supposed to bury everything. Once you have the microbial life in there, once you've got everything going and the environment is right, you don't need to really bury your scraps. You can toss everything in and then there's no smell. It just, everything works. Wow. But it it is a good, a good practice to bury. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) Fruit flies. Right. Yeah. And you see rotting food and it looks like it should smell bad. Right. Yeah. But they're like, and then I go, you know, can you smell anything? And then I say, I don't know, you know, can you, uh, do you have a good sense of smell? Oh, yeah, I have a good sniffer. No, I, and then they get in close and I go, what now? What about, can you smell? No, it just smells earthy. Wonderful. Good. So don't yeah. yeah, it's not going to smell. The worms aren't. And I say if the worms, because they're like, oh, are the worms going to get out? And I said, they're eating half their weight per day. They don't have time to go sightseeing and they don't have eyes. No point. <laughs> <laughs> something's wrong in the bin it's not wet enough outside the bin they're gonna just die outside the bin they're, they're, Ooh, yeah. sad. like that's sad but they just dry up you know yeah like it's not a big deal except that's sad mm. that they, they left the bin mm-hmm. and when people say to me i don't want fruit flies i say have you ever had fruit flies and they say yes and i say have you had a worm bin and they say no and i said then you know that the worms the fruit flies don't come from the worm bin yeah they come from the food that you're putting in the worm bin. Mm-hmm. So some maintenance is required. You need to maybe rinse some of your scraps that you don't wash, your bananas, your orange, mm-hmm. your melon, because the peels, the uh, fruit fly eggs are on the outside of all of your fruits. Oh, interesting. But you, you, you eat the apple peel or you eat the pear. Yes, you just wash it. Hopefully you wash it first. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about the fruit flies, people. It's everyone that touched your fruit that you want to get rid of. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. The number of hands that have touched your vegetables at uh, the grocery store before you're going to eat it. It's Right. That's right? what you're washing yeah. off. Like, you can't wash off pesticides necessarily, but you're washing off all the dirty fingers that have touched it before you did. <laughs> yeah, I actually do wash my vegetables totally. now in a soap. Um, oh yeah just to get because you're right that you know the pesticides now as i was saying about you know glyphosate that goes right into the plant Mm -hmm. the chemicals now are made they're not water soluble they're meant to be no no they are right they are deep in your potato they're not washing off right yeah they're not meant to just wash off yeah which is why if you can afford to buy organic um or if you're shopping at you know your farmer's market and they offer organic farm vendors Totally go for those, especially for the 
the Dirty Dozen, which is a list we'll, we'll link in the show notes because those are the ones that have the pesticides deep, deep within them because th- those fields have been sprayed for decades now. They need that, right? Our fields are, are chemical dependent now. Yeah. Yeah, because if you took away those pesticides, crops would suffer immensely now because there's no natural way to defend themselves. Correct. You know, back to that and and what what do we do about um, agriculture. So Mm. here's what Elaine Ingham says. Okay. If you see a patch of dirt where nothing is growing, there's no life there. That is dirt. Yeah. And then the first thing to grow is weeds. Because weeds need a lot of bacteria, so they need a lot of food. Okay. So the bacteria feeds them. Okay. So at least there's life there. Like you go, oh, look at that weed patch. At least there's life. There's something there that's mm-hmm. allowing those plants to grow. And then you go up the chain, you go next is um, uh, annuals. So they also need, you know, right? You look at your tomatoes, you got to give them a lot of food. you got to put a lot mm-hmm. of uh, compost, a lot of stuff because they're big feeders right Mm -hmm. they're growing quickly and then they need to produce those fruits Mm -hmm. and so same with your vegetables your annual um, flowers yeah they're they're bacteria dominant yeah and then you get into grasses um, perennials shrubs now you're getting more fungi dominant like now you need more fungi and less bacteria Mm -hmm. but still some bacteria and then Right at the very end is the old growth forest. Oh, beautiful. Right? The miles and miles and miles of mycelium, yeah. which are the fungus, like the roots. Yeah. Fungus roots. Incredible. It's the internet of the soil. <laughs> Huge. Yeah. Network. You know, yeah. I really, you know, I, I say this often that we know lots about the stars. I know we there's lots we don't know. There's lots about the ocean that we know, and I know there's more to learn. But we know so little about the soil where mm. our food grows and that which sustains us. Yeah. We know so little and, and I don't understand why we're not, you know, focused more there. If we looked at our food, that would look after a lot of our sick care. I think so. We'll create all new jobs that are healthy and people will be vibrant and lovely. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> where can people go to learn more about you and your business? Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. So my uh, website is kathyscomposters.com. Okay. So kathyscomposters composters with an S and dot com. Perfect. And I do a lot of events. So on my website, there's an events tab and I travel around. Well, Southern Ontario mostly, but I, I travel around a lot and people want to come to an event. You know, I'm happy to answer questions there. They can see my living composter and my worms and awesome. yeah, it's so beautiful. Very good. April is Earth Month. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. You know, we deal in earthworms, and they could be the mascot for um, Earth Month. There you go. The first week of May is Compost Awareness, International Compost Awareness Week, the first week of May. Really? Okay. That's great. Yeah. You know, there really are some wonderful big projects going on. I, I get asked all the time, can this be scaled up? Yes. Remember, my focus is the individual. Yeah. I really want the individual to take action, look after their own waste, and not be dependent on the government mm-hmm. for that part. You know, if we if we look after our own waste, then we're going to buy less. Yeah. We'll buy what we can dispose of, yeah. for sure. I, I just think that all around it's going to create a more local flavor where we're, wouldn't it be wonderful if the whole community was had gardens and then yeah. I had excess tomatoes, my neighbor had more 
spinach yeah and someone else had kale and then we're like swapping it up would be so great yeah that's so yeah. beautiful it's i feel like compost is the epitome of, of zero waste isn't it like it's just the most sustainable thing it is the most sustainable thing just about everything is compostable yeah yeah and, you know all natural things like wood chips they t- it takes a while but they will break down yeah you know leaves and wow it was just amazing so if we leave it long enough nature's going to be fine I know, but we got to slow down on nature where it's taking its toll. Yeah, we really do need to be mindful. Just be mm. mindful of all the things that we're doing. Because once we're mindful, then we're not walking around blind. Throwing our coffee willy, cup right? into Random purchases and doing stuff. Exactly. Yeah, and, you know, back to our, our microbiome in our gut. Yeah. You know, 70% of our immune system is in our belly. Interesting. So if we're stressed and we're not relaxed when we're eating, huh. then we're not like we need to relax and digest. I think that's what it, what the phrase is: relax and digest. Wow. If we're stressed, we're in flight, fight or flight mode, and we're not digesting. So okay. our body's not getting what it needs nutrient wise from the food that we're taking in. Wow. <laughs> and I, you know, that's probably another whole talk. I don't, I don't oh my gosh, we should have a we should have like a mental health food related. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to look into something like that for the next episode. It's going to be good. Yeah. Talking about compost and talking about gardening and talking about this circular system where we are what we eat. And so let's just make sure that it's the best stuff possible that we're putting into our bodies and putting into the soil. And yeah. Compost is the answer for everything in your garden. Yes. To acidic, add compost. Yeah. To alkaline, add compost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bugs, add compost. I have had so much fun talking with you. Thank you so much for making yourself available. This has been wonderful. Bye. Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you want to learn more from Kathy, she has an immense amount of resources on her website, kathyscomposters.com. You can find lots of the resources we talked about today in the show notes, and you can always find me on Instagram at Elspeth Callahan. If you have a question or an episode idea, you can send them to practicallyzerowaste at gmail.com. And if you send it as a voice memo, we'll answer the best ones during the podcast. We'd love it if you'd leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, subscribe for more content, like us on Spotify, and then get the heck outside and enjoy that brilliant spring weather. I know that's where I'll be. Have a good week, everyone, and talk to you soon.